Edward Gibbon wrote his classic work on the decline and fall of the Roman Empire. In this work, he, like so many after him, tried to find common threads in the era of nations and empires. This is his statement regarding the five marks of Roman decaying culture. Concern with displaying affluence instead of building wealth. Obsessions with sex and perversions of sex. Art became freakish and sensationalistic instead of creative and original. Widening gap between the very rich and the very poor. And his last one was increased demand to live off the state. So, so many historians have similar lists to try to learn from history. In this episode, we're going to discuss the mysterious end of many civilizations and the end of the Bronze Age. It is the glory of God to conceal a matter. To search out a matter is the glory of kings. This is the Message to Kings podcast. Episode 45, The Bronze Age Collapse. There is a common historical way to look at ancient empires in classifying their timelines. The Stone, Bronze, and Iron Age. The Stone Age ran until the advent of metalworking, which became fairly common in empires around 2000 BC. Around 2000 BC, the common usage of metalworking and the working of bronze led to what was called the Bronze Age, which lasted until about 1200 BC. When the Iron Age began. Let's talk about bronze. What's the big deal, right? Bronze is made of copper and tin. The heating of them and smelting of them into one object created something that was harder and more resistant and stronger than any other object available to men, which meant swords and arrow tips and spearheads were superior in battle. Farming got an upgrade, and the possessor of the elements of copper and tin could create a superior civilization to those around him. Copper could be found in assorted places, but tin was another story. There is little evidence of tin in Mesopotamia, which creates a mystery. As far as historians can determine, the only major, and I mean major, sources of tin in the world are in eastern Germany, England, Portugal, Spain, South America, and the Far East. So this presents a fascinating question. For there to be abundant stores of bronze weapons and objects in Western civilization, the world must have been a smaller place. Herodotus suggests trade networks extending all the way to modern England to tap into these sources, which hints at a very extensive trade networks led by the Phoenicians, most likely the eventual Philistines, and wealthy civilizations in the Mediterranean, which connected with the Druids in England, which hints at an interesting connection between the Philistines and the builders of Stonehenge, and what the ancients called the edge of the world. The flow of trade, of tin, created massive wealth for the party who controlled the seas in this trade. Imagine this hard-to-find commodity, Nations would pay a fortune for it, for it allowed for military dominance and economic prosperity. 
It is no wonder traders were willing to risk their lives to travel the world to mine it, just as they did in the age of exploration. Some historians have suggested this valuable tin trade was disrupted, or the skyrocketing cost of tin caused peoples to research alternatives. Sheer economics makes this, a com- makes this common sense. So what happened in the old Hittite Empire is interesting. A civilization that was doing quite nicely discovered a new technology, ironworking. Compared to copper, and especially tin, iron was in great abundance, but it couldn't be heated up hot enough to create a harder metal than bronze. But when additional discoveries were made, a process called carburation, which allowed for additional carbon to be added in smelting, the working of iron was discovered. Now, like before, the owner of ironworking had a technological edge, both militarily and economically. So it's interesting here, it didn't cost much to mine the metal and purchase it like it did for tin. It was the technology to create it that had the value. You would think the owner of this carburation secret could rule the world, but not in the case with the Hittites. It was too late. It reminds me of Germany at the end of World War II. They possessed greater technology, but it couldn't resist the complete unified determination of the Allies. It was too late. In this case, the Hittites couldn't resist the fall of empires that was coming. Enter the Bronze Age Collapse. Here's what has happened. Massive world-renowned peoples are disappearing from history. In the case of the Mycenaeans, the loss of heritage is so great they lose their alphabet and written record for hundreds of years. For when they reemerge into history, they have a brand new, unrelated language invented 400 years later. The history makers have disappeared. Here's a list of the events that covered the time period described as the Bronze Age Collapse. Just prior to the official timeline, the Minoans disappear, and the Indus Valley civilization disappears from history, and Babylon is destroyed by the Hittites in 1595 BC. And during the timeline, the Mycenaeans disappear, the Hittites are wiped out, the Canaanite nations are destroyed by Israel, and the Egyptian civilization serves as a backstop But even the Egyptian New Kingdom falls, and Egypt will fall into its own form of Dark Ages. It's a travesty to the archaeologist and historian. I mean, think about it with me seriously. What has happened? People groups gone. Lost civilizations, cultures, and languages disappearing from history. We as a people are concerned about animals, endangered animals, and the loss of species to extinction. And don't get me wrong, this is great. But at this time in history... We're talking about extinct civilizations lost through time and history. All we have of them is archaeology and history. Here's an accumulation of possible reasons for the Bronze Age collapse and what some call the ancient Dark Ages. Most empires, like nearly all empires, had their moments of succession crises and civil wars which weakened its rule. The governments of tyranny and one-man rule eventually led to such a separation of the rich and poor, society was destroyed from within. Another theory is that empires consume themselves into oblivion, exhausting the raw materials and themselves into extinction. I mean, that, that's an interesting one, but the ones that seem to have the most credibility are the next three. Evidence supports times of massive famines with subsequent crop failures in the empires of the world. 
Another very valid reason is the militarism of man, which leads to destruction. To quote historian Arnold Tombe, Militarism has been by far the commonest cause of the breakdown of civilizations. The single art of war makes progress at the expense of all the arts of peace. And the final reason uh, that has come up with by historians for the Bronze Age collapse is probably the most compelling, and it's a southern migration of northern or central Europeans and Asians due to a global climate change. The northern peoples, not as advanced as the empires in Mesopotamia and Greece, have no alphabet or written language, but were still more numerous and succeeded in destroying the Mycenaeans and Hittites, and took to the sea to take Egypt, and were eventually stopped in a series of battles. Now that we've accumulated what we know from historians, let's add some biblical history and Jewish traditions as we can. It's important to not dismiss the biblical record when we review history. Here's what the Bible says about a global famine in the time of Joseph around 1700 BC prior to the Bronze Age collapse. Genesis 41:53. Then the seven years of plenty which were in the land of Egypt ended, and the seven years of famine began to come, as Joseph had said. The famine was in all lands, but in all the land of Egypt there was bread. But when all the land of Egypt was famished, and the people cried up to Pharaoh for bread, then Pharaoh said to all the Egyptians, Go to Joseph, whatever he says to you do. The famine was over all the face of the earth. And Joseph opened all the storehouses and sold to the Egyptians. And the famine became severe in the land of Egypt. So all countries came to Joseph in Egypt to buy grain, because the famine was severe in all lands. Check it out. The Bible said there was a global famine so that every country on the earth came to Egypt for food. I mean, how every nation came to Egypt, I have no idea, but that's what it says. When considering the collapse of the Indus Valley civilization, which began around 1800 BC, we cannot dismiss the timing when we read that its cities were abandoned around 1700 BC, around the time of the global famine. We spoke of the Minoans a long time back, which disappeared, but what about the Hittites and Greeks, which descended into the ancient Dark Ages? The best theory regarding their collapse is southern migration of the northern peoples. There is a creationist theory that confirms some of the thoughts on southern migration peoples. But let me preface, this is just one of many, many creation theories or possibilities. So I'm just merging it with this event to present a possible timeline, but seriously, it's just a theory. The creationist theory is that an asteroid hit the earth in the time of Noah's flood, causing the flood, which resulted in a wobbling of the earth on its axis. This wobbling caused multiple mini ice ages. The last of these could have been the time of the Bronze Age collapse. This ice age caused northern people to travel south to survive, yet they eventually took over southern empires. It's a provocative theory, but really without much evidence uh, whatsoever, but um, it does tie in to the Bronze Age collapse. Now we get to the concept of spiritual warfare going on in the judgment of nations. I like to think of God as the perfect father and also the perfect judge. 
one who must judge or discipline evil and crimes that are committed. But he has a soft side. To those who are truly repented and changed of heart, he lets them off the hook. Judgment can always be averted by those who repent. The perfect example of this is in the story of Jonah. The Assyrians who worshipped the god of war were called to repent by Jonah. Jonah called to them and told them God would destroy them unless they repented, and the entire nation cried out for mercy and a nation was saved. Jesus even speaks to the people of Nineveh to the surprise of the Pharisees. God was forced to judge the earth in the time of Noah. He was forced to judge Nimrod in the time of Babel, where God divided the peoples by giving them different tongues, thus creating the nations. But the first judgment of a specific people group after the formation of nations was declared in Genesis 15:13. Then the Lord said to Abraham, Know for certain that for four hundred years your descendants will be strangers in a country not their own, and that they will be enslaved and mistreated there. But I will punish the nation they serve as slaves, and afterward they will come out with great possessions. You, however, will go to your ancestors in peace and be buried at a good old age. In the fourth generation, your descendants will come back here, for the sin of the Amorites has not yet reached its full measure. So to be clear, God is pronouncing a judgment on Egypt and the Amorites, or the nations of Canaan here. But let's focus on the Amorites. Once the sin of the Amorites reached its full measure, God would be judging them. God gave a timeline of 400 years showing an outrageous toleration of their sin to allow sins to accumulate until judgment occurred. The old adage that nations are judged in time, people in eternity, had to have been derived from this verse. If we follow the law of first mentions, this is the extremity of God's tolerance of a principality of evil. Interesting to see this in history. Few empires or governments specifically have survived 400 years. 400, more specifically, 430 years they were in slavery. 430 becomes synonymous with national judgment, when a nation's time in the sun comes to an end. Now every nation has a different story, and timelines can be general or separate from its from the pattern completely, but generally speaking, this appears to be God's extent of his toleration of accumulated national dissent. Many nations will remain, but governments or forms and lands and borders change over time. But specifically, the accumulated darkness of principalities must be broken, whatever it looks like. If God was the central authority and hidden principal force behind Israel, what was behind the other nations? The power behind these nations would have to be judged. Sometimes judgment was in the form of famine, invasion, or national calamity, like earthquakes or disasters. Every nation has a different story. Alright, so now we get to the Exodus. God was forming a priestly nation. There was a theory, again it's just a theory, that we came up with that stated God's actual throne came down at Mount Sinai because of the descriptive language. If this happened, spiritual warfare at levels that we cannot understand could have happened, which could have led to God overthrowing principalities, and just because of the sheer intensity of having heaven, the throne of heaven, coming down to earth at that level. 
this warfare would have toppled demonic power bases and redrawn the map of dark power on the planet. So now we get to the Jewish traditional accounts. There's a fascinating Jewish traditional account that states that when God spoke out of the cloud at Sinai, that his voice was heard throughout the planet. Peoples as far away as the Hittites heard the booming voice of God. And what of course came with this voice was a fear of the Lord, and the fear specifically mentioned as going before the Israelites. A terror of the Israelites went before them. The fear was so great, the story is that all the nations of the world were so afraid that they suspected another global catastrophe like the flood. This tells us to the level of fear of judgment that the nations were afraid of another flood. And as the Israelites came to the Jordan, there's the Jewish traditional account that the water piled up, terrifying everyone of God's judgment on the world. And as Joshua invades, God literally fights for Israel. The Canaanite nations were destroyed, and many other nations at this time, but Israel was being birthed. It's like a reset button was being pushed on nations, and it would begin in an age of iron. We will see when the first Iron Age empires will be Israel under King David. So to round out additional thoughts on the Bronze Age collapse, when considering the rise and fall of nations, we cannot dismiss global famines and other events in the Bible, as well as national judgments which are common in the Bible. Jewish traditional accounts and other theories as well. To conclude this episode, there's a frightening perspective that many consider in the world today. 1607, the first permanent settlement of English-speaking settlers arrived in America on the coast of Virginia. One of their first acts was to erect a cross at Cape Henry. A few years later, the settlers at Plymouth made a covenant with God, then establishing their new government that acknowledged God's sovereignty and honored Him. Many other dedications and covenants were established. But here's the scary part. What if you add 400 years to this timeline? And if you look at the accumulated sins of America today, it's quite scary. Again, it looks different for every nation in history, but it's a scary perspective. In the words of historian Arnold Tombe, Of the 22 civilizations that have appeared in history, 19 of them collapsed when they reached the moral state the United States is in now. So if you live in America, just look around. It's interesting to consider, are we at the peak of world power? Will it last, or will we look back one day and say these days were the glory days, and we didn't even know it? Personally, I don't want to miss what's in front of me, and I just want to walk around, and, and I don't want to forget the glory that's in front of us. There has been no world war in 60 years, and we've seen insane technological and social breakthroughs. Where do we stand today? Look at the headlines. Blood red moons, harbingers. I ask you, are we capturing our time and understanding our season? With America's alarming rate of social decline, where do we stand today? Throughout the history of the United States, there's been a lot of large Christian events, even in stadiums. But one of them that has meant the most to me occurred in July 7th, 2007, in Nashville, Tennessee. 
It was a prayer meeting with Baptists, Methodists, Charismatic, non-denominations, Catholics, and Messianic believers. All types of people were present. It was not a worship conference or a concert or a teaching service. It was a prayer gathering. The theme of the meeting was, If My People. The theme came from the famous scene of Solomon's dedication of the temple in Jerusalem, where he speaks to the people and addresses his people on multiple levels. But he addresses what would happen if the people of God fell away from God. Second Chronicles 7.14 If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and I will heal their land. Knowing and understanding the state of moral decline in America at an event called The Call Nashville on July 7, 2007, over 100,000 people cried out to God to have mercy on our country, to tip the scales from judgment to mercy. When considering and looking at nations, I am personally blessed to be living in such a time as this, and it makes me more encouraged to pray for my nation and that God would grant mercy to our nation and that revival would sweep the land, and could it be, could it be that in this generation we will see the greatest revival and awakening the world has ever known? So much so, could it be possible that we could see a revelation of this verse in our lifetimes? Habakkuk 2.14 For the earth shall be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Hope you enjoyed this episode of Message to Kings. Stay tuned next week as we get back to the action and we take a dramatization look at Judge Shamgar. Feel free to visit the Facebook page and leave a comment or question. Or if you want to chat, email me at messagetokings at gmail.com. Tune in next week to the Message to Kings podcast.